Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. College basketball did fire up yesterday, and I've got to say, welcome the hell back. You've been missed. College hoops. It was great to see it again, and it was great to see it in front of packed houses once again. And yes, I know there is a section of you that really don't give a damn about college basketball until March. I understand that. But I do have something for you today that's going to make you want to lock it in the entire season. I saw some things last night that are going to keep your attention all through the season. You don't have to wait for March. And I saw one thing in particular, and I'll get to that a little bit later on. Let me bury that lead. Before I get to the best thing to happen to college ball in a long time, why don't we take a quick whip around and see what happened last night? You had Gonzaga winning their season opener as the number one team in the country and looking pretty damn good doing it. There was number three, Kansas, pulling away to beat Michigan State by 13. There was Western Kentucky's Josh Anderson getting nice and getting nasty. Nice hands. Good steal there. Here comes Anderson. Oh, my goodness. Josh Anderson on the head. Like I said, getting nice and getting nasty. How about Akron? How about Akron giving Ohio State hell and giving them all they could handle and pushing the Buckeyes to the very limit? Orange with Bandago on him. It's Branham. A bullet into Key, and he scores! Zach Key puts it in! There may be time remaining. The celebration is premature. Ohio State may have just survived. Off the catch, this goes ringing around, and the Buckeyes win 67-66. They did just survive. Ohio State this close to joining the list of big-time teams with really ugly losses yesterday. Teams like number 25, Virginia, who lost at home to Navy. And they didn't lose on some fluky last-second bomb. They lost by eight at home to Navy as a top-25 team. Listen, I get Virginia. I get that they sometimes struggle early in the season. It's not the first time we've seen them struggle early in the season because of how long it takes to get everybody locked in on that pack line defense. I understand all that. But Navy at home by eight? How the hell did that happen? Did David Robinson suit up for the midshipmen? Except Virginia was not alone. Georgia Tech lost to Miami University. Not the University of Miami, but Miami University. Pitt lost to the Citadel. Western Illinois got Nebraska. Hate to say it, Husker fan, but after a rough football season, losing to Western Illinois on the court is not exactly the way to get right. And I've got more bad news. Bad news if you love to hate Duke. Bad news for all the Duke haters. Like, Duke is good. Duke is really good this year. Like maybe even national championship good. I mean, they are Duke. Certainly Duke is Duke. And they are on TV. Certainly Duke more is than Duke. Leave it to Beaver reruns. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns. Boy, you talk about something aging well. My man Pete Gillen, that is just beautiful. Look that up. When did he say that? Such an amazing line. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver Certainly Duke reruns. Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns. Incredible. 
And they beat number 10, Kentucky. Hate to say, Cal, but there's your pinch of poop in the proverbial ice cream. They beat number 10, Kentucky, by eight last night to kick off Coach K's farewell tour. And it's not an overreaction to say that it's a tour that could end with a ring, with a title. They're that good. It's only one game, but they're that good. And here is the message coming out of that one game. You know, we're a a great team and we're going to play together. You know, we're going to play hard all 40 minutes. Um, And yeah, I mean, we're going to play like Duke. We're going to play like Duke. Paolo Bancaro. Let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this guy. This dude is exactly as advertised. A six foot ten freshman who had twenty two and seven in his first game and made it look really easy. Of Oscar Sheevey to take away that shot blocking ability. We're going to see a lot of that from him. Bancaro, wow, good handle. I'm telling you, this dude. If you're six ten and you're eighteen. You are not supposed to be that smooth. You are not supposed to have that handle. You're not supposed to be that silk on the release. And you sure as hell are not supposed to be able to do things like this. Going right back to that play that ran before. Open side, elbow catch. Bancaro again. That is a big time player. I mean, this dude is smooth and effortless. And not only was he college ready in his first game, Not only was he college ready, I'm telling you, this dude looks NBA ready already. And Trevor Keels is pretty damn good, too. He may have actually stolen the show last night. So, is Duke the best team in the country? Way too soon to tell. But all you haters who are hoping that they would struggle again this year and turn Coach K's retirement into a miserable ride, I got bad news. That ain't happening. It's just not happening. They're too good. And as good as Keels and Bancaro are, they still were not the biggest stars last night. They're still not the biggest stars in the game. Nope. That title belongs to a totally different game changer. Remember I said at the very top that I understand that a number of you really don't give a damn about college basketball until March rolls around? I get that. I understand that. I'm not even going to say you're wrong. If it's not your deal, it's not your deal. However, keep an open mind. I've got a reason for you to lock in much sooner. This is your reason. This is your baller. Never seen or heard anything quite like this. My man is transcendent. My man both changes and kills the game completely all by himself. It doesn't even matter who else is on the floor or what they're doing. Only one guy can do this. I've never seen it before. I've really never heard it before. Let's go to West Lafayette, Indiana. Well, West Lafayette, Indiana for Bellarmine v. Purdue. The moment everything changes. This is absolutely one of those where were you moments. Where were you when this happened? Alvin, roll that bleep. Ivy with the steal. Beautiful dunk. Jade and Ivy, I'm falling out of my chair. Oh, this dude. Instant legend. No, instant god. And no, I'm not talking about Jade and Ivy, although he is a stud. I'm talking about the real stud here. I'm talking about that announcer because that dude is already an icon. 
And if you think that I'm going to let any of you tools come in here and crack him for his voice cracking, you are dead wrong. Not only will I block you when I've never blocked anybody in my entire career. I haven't. I will block you, and I will block you with authority if you try to bring that bullcrap around here. That announcer is a legend. Run it again and put some respect on his cracking voice. Ivy with the steal. Beautiful dunk. Jade and Ivy, I'm falling out of my chair. Okay, you tell me. You tell me. Who else is going to bring that level of intensity, enthusiasm, energy, and passion for a season-opening win against Bellarmine? Whoever the hell Bellarmine is. I'm not sure what elevated more. Jaden Ivey or my man's voice. Ivey went about 40 inches in the air. And my dude went about 40 octaves. There were parts of that call that only dogs can hear. My man is all out here blowing out his vocal cords on opening night. And I love it. Beautiful dunk. Beautiful dunk. Beautiful dunk. And beautiful pipes. Congrats on that awesome call, goat. Congrats on puberty as well. I thought his larynx was going to pop out on that one. I thought he tore his trachea. It sounded like his vocal cords were going to snap like guitar strings. This dude sounded like he was some zit-faced, prepubescent, asking some girl to the middle school prom. Not a dude calling a big-time college basketball game. Now listen, do not get this twisted. I'm not here to hate. I'm here to praise. I'm here to honor. I'm here to genuflect. Because what everybody should bring to everything in life is what this dude brought to that last night. My dude is just laying out. That is the vocal equivalent of diving for a loose ball. That is the vocal equivalent of giving up your body to go into the stands to get a foul ball. This dude is getting after it with no regard for himself or his trachea or voice box or larynx. He just wanted to nail that call, and he doesn't care what he has to pay in terms of the price to get it done. You give me five of those dudes, and you're never coming off the floor a loser. Hell, give me one of those guys, and you're undefeated. So, don't hit me with some boom goes the dynamite reference. And boom goes the dynamite. Because boom goes the dynamite guy can't hold this Jaden Ivy dunk guy's jock. Boom goes the dynamite guy is this guy's bitch. And boom goes the dynamite. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. And it's not just that he's doing it on opening night. He's doing it with 17 minutes to go in the second half. That was not the end of the game. That was not some last-minute rip and dunk to win. That was 17 minutes to go in a game and roughly 40 games left to go in the season. And my man's just blowing it the hell out. Leaving it all out there on the floor. The regular season doesn't matter in college basketball. Yeah, you try telling that to that legend who had to pick up his voice box off the floor on that play. Yeah, I know what you're thinking, Rome. Lucky call. Dude just caught lightning in a bottle on that one. Yeah, well, nah. No, no, that's not what that is. My man is not lucky. He's good. Damn good. Check him out later in that same game. 
Jaden Ivey with the ball. My dude with the mic. Ivey with the steal. Beautiful dunk. Jaden Ivey, I'm falling out of my chair. Actually, that was the same bit of wizardry earlier in the game. He did it again. Either way, this dude is a king. I'm locking in for every game this guy calls from here on out. That's the guy to make college ball during the regular season actually matter. You give me him on the mic for every single game. I know he can do it. I'm falling out of my chair. I'm falling out of my chair. You're falling out of your chair. What? Did you spit Mountain Dew all over your keyboard too? I'm falling out of my chair. I guess driving off the road after coffee came out of your nose would have been a stretch since you were in the announcer booth. I just wish this guy was here for all the memorable sports moments like U.S. hockey. Think how much better. As great a call as that was, Alvin, get that ready. As great a call as that was, Al Michaels, arguably the best ever to do it, and his finest moment ever. What's the one thing that could have made that moment even finer? Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Right? How about we go to the Boston Garden? How about this? Remember this immortal moment? This incredible moment. How much better would it have been if my guy had been there on the mic? He could have a check With the steal! I'm falling out of my chair! Johnny Most did not fall out of his chair. But had he, it would have been better. And this guy, I gotta think this guy's not only about basketball. There's some guys that can cross over, do multiple sports. What if this guy were ringside? You may hear him. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Boxing? Hey, how about that wild, wild Cal Stanford game back in the day? They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. I'm falling out of my chair. How memorable would it have been if the Ivy Dunk guy had been there for Gibby's game one blast. A home run for Gibson. I don't believe what I just saw. Beautiful. I don't believe what I just saw. This dude makes everything better. Everything. College basketball is back, and now you've got a reason to watch the regular season. 1-800. I mean, it's just beautiful. One. I'm falling out of my chair. I'm thinking about changing my telephone number after all these years. 1-800-BEAUTIFUL. Beautiful dunk. That way, dude. Much respect. Much respect. Way to make it better. Way to make it all better. Hit me up right now. 1-800-BEAUTIFUL. You can access content from over 59 different countries by changing your virtual location with one click. With NordVPN, you can be anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. If you're outside the U.S., you still have access to all U.S. streaming services. You'll never miss your favorite show again. It is so easy to use, too. You might hear people say that VPNs have a reputation for slowing down your internet speed, but not with NordVPN because it is the fastest VPN in the world. And you don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. With NordVPN, internet traffic is 
is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel which protects your data and privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices so all your devices are protected. Go to nordvpn.com slash Rome or use the code Rome exclusive podcast code and get up to 73% off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Be quick because this offer is for a limited time only. That's nordvpn.com slash Rome or just use the code Rome. John Rothstein. John, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, never better. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great to have you back. All right, so take me quickly, John, through yesterday. I know you're a food guy. So did you do anything special food-wise? Did you hit up any good restaurants before or after the games? Or were you locked in from the moment your alarm went off in the morning? No, you know me well, Jim. You know I like fine cuisine as much as anybody. But right now, with the start of college basketball season, I am making a commitment to cut out beer, to cut out bread, to cut out pasta, to cut out fried food until I eat Thanksgiving dinner on the last Thursday of Thanksgiving. It's all about a little sacrifice, Jim. My man, you are not messing around. Of course, I talked to David Meltzer the other day. He said it's not sacrifice, it's personal investment. I'm going to say it's both. All right, so you were at Madison Square Garden last night, John. Given what last season was like last year, with limited or no fans, what did it feel like to be back at the Garden with a crowd and that buzz and that juice once again? It felt like you were in Times Square on New Year's Eve and everybody in the world had a ticket. It was a celebration of, Jim, let's face it, a step back to normalcy in our society. And I know this is obviously a difficult river to swim in if I'm talking to obviously a proud Southern Californian like yourself. But the great thing about New York City, and you know this from, you know, popping in here every couple of weeks, is that you cannot get inside to a gym, to a theater, to a restaurant, to a bar, unless you're vaccinated. So you know, obviously, you're safe. There's a feeling of safety. And it felt last night for the first time in close to probably 20 or 21 months, like we are back to normal. No, exactly right. And let the record reflect, I love New York City. I love making that trip, although I never stay there very long. I love getting in, getting out, coming back. And you're exactly right. You cannot get into these buildings without a vaccination card. John Rostein joining us. What about that first game, John, at the Garden? Kansas beats Michigan State. What did Bill Self's team show you and how they handled their business last night? Just how high the ceiling is. And you have to remember that Kansas, won the game by double figures over Michigan State without Jalen Wilson, who's a starter, who's a guy who went through the NBA draft process a year ago. But I was in Lawrence about a month ago, Jim, and I thought that the team speed for Kansas had a chance to be really exceptional. DeWan Harris at the point, obviously Remy Martin, the transfer from Arizona State off the ball. But what that speed and what that velocity in the open court does is it forces the defense to make a commitment. And if you make a commitment, then all of a sudden you are going to leave other people open for high percentage shots. That beneficiary was Ochai Baji. He looked like he was primed and is primed to have a major senior year for the Jayhawks. John Rothstein joining us. All right, John, flip that thing over to the other side. I know you spoke to Tom Izzo recently on your podcast. What was your sense as to how he feels about this year's team, and what do you think he took away from last night's game? There was disappointment in the way that Tyson Walker played at point guard, the transfer from Northeastern, but there was also optimism at the way that A.J. Hogard asserted himself. He was Michigan State's best guard, 17 points, four assists off the bench. 
There was moments from Max Christie. There was moments from the Spartans' two-headed monster up front of Julius Marvin and Marcus Bingham. But I also stopped in East Lansing, Jim, in my preseason tour, and I think this is a Michigan State team that is going to be better late than it is early and is probably going to hover for the most of the start of the season in the middle of the Big Ten. We are covering a lot of ground with John Rothstein like we always do. John, the second game last night, Duke v. Kentucky, before we get into the game itself, how would you describe Coach K's connection to the Garden and how fitting was it for him to start his farewell tour there? It's Cameron Indoor Stadium North, and it's been Cameron Indoor Stadium North, and it shows you the gravitas and the power that the Duke brand has under Mike Krzyzewski, Jim. Joel Fisher, who's in charge of college basketball and events at Madison Square Garden, for years has allowed Duke to play one non-conference game if they weren't in an early season tournament at the world's most famous arena. That's a lot of power. But you also have to think about the history, okay, that Mike Krzyzewski has had at Madison Square Garden. Ten years ago in 2011, he beat Michigan State in the Champions Classic. He breaks his mentor, Bob Knight's record for all-time wins as a college basketball coach. And then in 2015, Duke comes back to beat St. John's in what was Mike Krzyzewski's 1,000th victory as a head coach. And then last night in the Champions Classic, in the first game ever played by Paolo Bancaro, we saw Krzyzewski again send a message that Duke again has a dog in the fight. We saw again last night why Duke, yes, Duke, is primed and ready to have a chance to be playing not just in the late March gym, but early April. I said the same thing myself, John, before he came on. I really, really liked what I saw from them last night. John Rostein is a college basketball insider for CBS Sports. He has been since 2010. You mentioned Paulo Bancaro. He came in with a lot of hype, John. He delivered last night 22-7. and For those who have not seen him yet, how would you sum up his game, and does he remind you of anybody else? Not just yet. I'm not ready to go with a comparison just yet, but he has the type of game where he's built like somebody who would be obviously an NBA power forward, but he can also play with the ability to facilitate on each and every possession. But Jim Paolo Boncaro was sensational, and we knew he would be sensational. But to me, and I talked about this with Mike Krzyzewski after the game last night, the story for Duke was that when Duke got separation in the second half, they got separation when Paolo Boncaro was out of the game because he was cramping up. It opened the door for Trevor Keel. It opened the door for Wendell Moore to show that he has taken a step and is much more comfortable than he was a year ago. And this is an underrated thing that Mike Krzyzewski also signaled out, singled out after the game. Duke's rim protection with Mark Williams and Theo John, the transfer from Marquette, has a chance to be exceptional this season. Theo John, and again, it's not going to jump out in the box score, Five points, two rebounds, two blocks in 22 minutes, but it's not shot blocked with Theo John. It's shot falter. A little bit reminiscent, Jim, of Brian Zubak when, yes, John Shire led Duke to a national title in 2010, just 11 and a half years ago. I've got to talk to you about the most amazing product, my X chair. <laughs> my X chair is insane. I mean, it's incredible. I never actually look forward to getting to the office to sit in my office chair until I got my X chair. As an example, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. And it's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking crazy 
technology with my X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Trust that. Go to xchairrome.com. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. John Rothstein is joining us, breaking it all down. Now, John, BBN, Big Blue Nation, probably would be disappointed if I didn't get your thoughts on what you think or what you saw from them. Kentucky, of course, John, coming off a brutal year where they started 1-6, and six, they finished 9-16 and 16 overall. What is your sense as to how John Calipari views that season, and what kind of a year are you expecting from his team this season? Kentucky has vastly improved from a year ago. They've got better ball security. They've got better shooting. They've got better role allocation. I think it's important to point out that some of the top newcomers that John Calipari brought in, Sevier Wheeler, a transfer from Georgia, Kellen Grady, a transfer from Davidson, and Oscar Sheboy, a transfer from West Virginia, all produced and produced at a high level for Kentucky. But this rendition of Kentucky is different than most teams that we've seen under John Calipari in Lexington because most teams that Calipari has had that have played deep in the NCAA tournament have had guys that were destined to be first-round picks in the following year's NBA draft. Julius Randle, James Young, Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Monk, Jamal Murray, De'Aaron Fox. This team doesn't have that. And I mean this respectfully. This Kentucky team is more built in a similar fashion that we saw some of Tubby Smith's good Kentucky teams when he was the head coach. I see Sevier Wheeler. I see Cliff Hawkins, who was the point guard, for Kentucky 20 years ago. Those teams, obviously, with Hawkins, Gerald Fitch, Marquis Sessel, they all earned high seeds in the NCAA tournament, but much different in terms of the fabric that Calipari has used to build Kentucky. John Rothstein covering a lot of ground. We have a few more moments with him. John, let me ask you about Gonzaga because you know they reload. Chet Holmgren made his debut for the Zags last night, 14 points, 13 boards, seven blocks in 28 minutes. How do you like his game? How does he fit into Gonzaga's scheme and team overall? Well, it's interesting because we have somebody right now in Chet Holmgren who's a relentless shot blocker on defense and a three-point threat on offense. And think about Gonzaga's front court right now, Jim. You have a guy in Chet Holmgren who is in the discussion to be the top overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft and you have a guy next to him in Drew Timmy, who is the consensus preseason national player of the year in the sport. That's what Gonzaga has is four and five. They're going to hook up with Texas on Saturday. And, Jim, here's one big thing I want to point out. Because of some of the rules that have been passed, especially name, image, and likeness, which was long overdue for these athletes, we have now more players wanting to come back for an additional year of college. That has led to better non-conference games, and that has also lifted the sport. On Saturday night, we have Texas Gonzaga. On Friday night, we have Villanova against UCLA. College basketball, for a long time, didn't have games early in the schedule like this. 
I quote President Kennedy, a rising tide lifts all boats. I'll tell you what, John, I think you make a really valid point, a really important point as well. And you mentioned Gonzaga going up against Texas. I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Chris Beard is my guy. I I also, I, it's hard. I don't want to pick between coaches or guys. I love both those guys a lot. Let me ask you about Chris Beard. I mean, really aggressive in the transfer portal. How do you like that approach for him? And what do you make of how his pieces fit together? Chris Beard is more comfortable than maybe any coach in America at molding a team together on a very, very short calendar. It's what he did, obviously, before he became a Division One coach, and it's also what he did, if you remember, during the 18-19 season when he took Texas Tech to one possession away from a national championship when he had a team that, remember, had two transfers, Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens, in the starting lineup when the Red Raiders went to the Final Four and were inches away from beating Virginia and winning a national championship. But I also want to bring something to your attention as well, and this is a point that Bill Self made postgame last night. Just because a program lands a productive player from another program where he was productive doesn't mean that those teams are automatically going to go up a level. And, Jim, I look at it like this. Ten teams that bought games last night and gave a lower-level team a guarantee lost in Mm -hmm. college basketball. And what we're seeing is this. Because of the lack of player retention in college basketball, you're seeing less rhythm, you're seeing less chemistry for teams at the start of the season. That is leveling the playing field for mid-major teams across the country. It's why ten separate teams last night paid for an opponent to come play and lost. That, Jim, is the epitome of brutality. There are obviously some early season opportunities on the board. John, one last person I want to ask you about is Eric Musselman. You had him on your podcast recently. I would say, if hard-pressed, probably as relationships go, I think that I've had a longer relationship in this business with E. Must than anybody. We literally came in together at about the same time at age 23. I've known him for 30-plus years. I cannot tell you how impressed I am. Not surprised because I know Must so well, but I can't say how impressed I am with how many times he has reinvented himself over the years. What do you make of the job that he's done so far at Arkansas? Eric Musselman's greatest attribute, in my opinion, It's his humility, and this is what I mean by that. This is a guy who coached the Golden State Warriors. This is a guy who coached the Sacramento Kings, and it wasn't above him to take an assistant coaching job in college basketball under Herb Sendak at Arizona State in an effort to better understand the landscape. You can say, well, basketball is basketball. Jim, you and I both know that college basketball and pro basketball is two different languages. Eric Musselman learned the tricks of the trade under Herb Sendek. He went to work for Johnny Jones at LSU, and then he quickly made Nevada into one of the premier programs in the Mountain West, went to a Sweet 16 there, went to an Elite Eight last year at Arkansas, and again, a lot like somebody who you and I both obviously follow, Pat Riley, he's about one thing, the next thing. John Rothstein, obviously planning his work, working his plan, ready for the start of the year. He is college basketball's hungriest insider for CBS Sports. He has been a college basketball insider for CBS Sports since 2010, host of the College Hoops Today podcast for Compass Media, and just absolutely murdered that segment. John, great job. Great to have you back. Thank you so much. Always good visiting with you, Jim. We sleep in next.
So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the very best part there is no annual contract Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So in addition to that, what about this weekend? I want to both look back to last weekend and look ahead to this weekend in the NFL. And remember, John Rothstein's coming up at the top. But yeah, America's team the Cleveland Browns, and they bounce back with that unbelievable beatdown of Cincinnati. After all that drama involving Odell Jr., Odell Sr., LeBron, and Odell Sr.'s splicer. I mean, a really drama-filled week for the Browns and America's team, but they did what America's team does. America's quarterback did what America's quarterback does. I'm talking about Baker Mayfield, and he did it with a jacked-up wing. And he did it during a week of utter drama. And he did it against a hungry divisional rival at home who you know wanted to get right after melting down against the Jets. All right, They didn't catch the Bengals napping. Cincinnati had to have that game. They needed that game badly to get right and get back on the path. And America's team went in and knocked them the hell out. Because none of that mattered. America's team and America's QB put a beating on the Bengals. So the question to me is, can America's team, the Cleveland Browns, build on that? It's going to be tough. Because don't look now. Look who they have to deal with. The hoodie and the pats. And suddenly the Patriots are playing pretty damn well. The hood has them playing pretty damn well. Yeah, I know, I know. We're not going to sit here and crown their ass just because they beat Carolina, who's been playing like ass. The old man Ritt. Old man Ritt. Tell old man Hoodie how his ass tastes because they just destroyed Sam Darnold. And don't look now, but the Pats all of a sudden have won four of their last five. And it's not just that they've won four of their last five. It's how they've won those games. And it's not just that they've lost four or won four of their last five. Their last two losses came against Dallas, who everybody loved, and TB44. And they had him on the ropes. And you know how badly he wanted to win that game. So what I'm saying is, man, the Pats are starting to look pretty damn good and pretty dangerous. How you liking your Pats now, Chowds? Because I guarantee that old man has got to be feeling pretty damn good right about now. And if that old man were on the phone with me, or if that old man were here in studio with me, the conversation between me and him would probably go something like this. In fact, I don't even think it would be a conversation. I think it would be the old man mumbling aggressively at me. 
without me being able to get uh, a mumble in edgewise. Yeah, hey, hey, radio man, uh, what else you got to say now? What do you have to say for yourself now, radio man? I got something to say to you. What do you have to say to me? Because I got something to say to you, radio man. Tell me how my ass tastes, bitch. Tell me how my ass tastes. Hey, clown. Clown. Why don't you uh, go ahead. Clown me all you want, clown. Who's the clown now, ass clown? I'll tell you what, radio man. You're not even a radio man. You're radio boy. Hey, radio boy, why don't you uh, check out that scoreboard? Look up at it. Yeah, hey, scoreboard, radio boy. You see it? Well, first show Mike McCarthy where it is. Ha, 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 ha. You see? That's a joke there, radio boy. <laughs> I got jokes. I got some funny in me. I just don't got it for you. Huh? 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 What do I got for you? You know what I got for you, radio boy? Got myself another dub. I got a W, radio boy. How you like them apples, radio guy? Uh, uh, how you like them apples? Uh, what a great line, eh? It's a great line, eh? How you like them apples? Those Boston boys, uh, Matty Damon? Benny Amfleck? Uh, tremendous, aren't they? Well, to me they are. Radio man? Hey, radio man. What the hell you know about any of that? You're probably still talking about Benifer. Benifer or something stupid like that, eh, radio boy? Hey, 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 speaking of which, if you are, if you are, you're a Hollywood guy, right? You know people. I wonder if, uh, Jen... I wonder if Jen's got a friend for my son, Steven. Uh, he's a catch now. Oh, Stevie. Stevie's a catch now, radio boy. If and when I ever let him out of the dungeon for breaking all that tape on America's team. Down there with Nike. He and Nike, they like it down there. Nike likes Stevie. Stevie likes Nike. You know what else, radio boy? Unlike you, we take no days off at the Belichick household, especially down there in the basement. Nike gets no days off. Stevie gets no days off. None of us do. All right? Hey, uh, radio boy. Apology accepted. It's on to, uh, it's on to Cleveland. Yeah, we're on to the Browns. We're on to America's team. We got our hands full. Yeah, apology accepted. It's about the only guarantee in life. That. Week to week, the NFL has more twists and turns than any Netflix series. Arizona is a machine. Man, I can't believe I made it to Wednesday without hyping my guys in the desert. Another lock. Mike McCarthy will cost the Cowboys any chance of a Super Bowl. Especially if Big Mike continues to leave Dak Prescott out there late in blowouts. And the other lock? The Hotel Burger. Hey, radio man, I got something else for you. Mm. Tell you what, don't even ask me about our quarterback being a dirty player. What's so dirty about a leg lock and a twist? If he did it like we practiced, old Mac would have got him on the ground and put him in a four-figure four leg lock. And then would have been ground and pound, radio boy. You got that? I practiced that with my kid Stevie after every practice. Keeps the joints loose, hey? Keeps the joints loose, hey? Stop rehashing all the non-issues, Radio Man. I'm not going to go back and rehash all that. I'm not getting into all that, Radio Man. Hey, Radio Man, I got something for you. Do better. Do better, Radio Man. So, let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness, and there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps? Keeps 
offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, discreet packaging and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. But here's something you got to keep in mind. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome. And get your first month free, keeps.com slash Rome. Let's get it. I will start you off with a beef of my own. My beef. Airline flatulence. Freaking gross, man. Flew back from New York. Most disgusting thing ever. I hit my call button. Flight attendant comes bouncing over. Hi, can I help you? I'm like, yes. Can you make it stop? Can you take care of this? What, sir? What are you referring to? About that guy over there who took a dump in his seat. It's disgusting, man. I understand that you all are boxing up farts and serving it as food. And we're all eating the same thing. Hey, come on, man. Show some respect. It's disgusting. Don't even get me started. All right. I, I need to start you with a beef. That's my beef. It's been bothering me since I got off the plane. All right. Let's get it. 1-800-636-8686. Before we go to the phones, let us get some social reaction. Hey, Jim, my beef is with Harley Guy. The leather vest dude racing his obnoxious hog up and down the street, waking up babies and setting off car alarms. Hey, Harley guy, loud pipes don't save lives. They simply piss off your neighbors. John and Frisco, good start. I like that they set off car alarms. That's a good beef. This one is, I got beef with my wife. She switched from using dryer sheets to those laundry balls because it's better for the environment. Now my dry fit polo shirts smell like pee and cling to my dad bod with enough static electricity to charge a Tesla. It ain't better for my environment, Romy. Thanks, Matt and Boise. All right, two for two. Dear Rome, my beef is with couples who combine their names after they get hitched. Now, instead of one or the other, they have created a 25-character monstrosity, which everyone in your life has to remember what order it's in and how to address you. Keep it or change it, but just pick a freaking name already. Nate S. Rome, my beef is with my guma. She keeps riding me with the, when are you going to leave your wife question? Honey. If I want to commit financial suicide, I will listen to the big head. I'm 60. I'm not losing half my stuff in a divorce. Shut up and know your place. Oh, my God, Ron. Really? Wow, Ron. Hey, Jim, I have beef with the word actually. When you tell me that you actually liked how I prepared your steak or you actually liked my gift, then... It's more of a reason to go than a compliment. Susie and Wisco. All right. Actually. Romy, my beef is with the jackass who started selling craft pickles in a plastic tub. 
now Big Pickle, has gotten together and made these ubiquitous. My beef with them is that no matter how careful you are, when you pop off that plastic top, you get pickle juice all over your counter, yourself, and the floor. They fill that bad boy to the brim, and there is no margin for error. Mike and Madison. That's fair. That's fair. However, you know what my beef is with? Pickles. When I was a kid, pickles were like the most amazing thing. I have no idea why, but they were. Now I've got no need for them at all. I never, ever eat a pickle. Romy, my beef is with friends who ask to use my car. Hey, can I borrow your car to go golfing tomorrow? First off, no. Second of all, where was my invite for the round of golf? Get your own car, you freeloading bum. Nick in New York. Hey, Jim, I have a beef. My beef is with the roid heads. They use a jug that looks like a milk container as a water bottle. You know you are a roid head by the thin lettuce. The fact that you're rocking a tank in a rainstorm and the acne popping out of that tank. Stop spending your money stockpiling cans of tuna and roid powder and get a real water bottle, you bags. Steven Sacktown, I kind of like that. Not, and I've got nothing against the roid heads, man. They're putting in the work. And they cheat because they're injecting, but they're putting in the work. I like that. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with people that say, yeah, no. It's one or the other. Bella B in Calgary. I do that sometimes, Bella. I'll go, yeah, no. I've got major first world beef. My beef is with the kid making my burrito at Chipotle. He bangs the rice spoon on my tortilla, creating a weak spot. Then, when I'm cramming that monster down my gullet, it splits open, and by the time I'm done, I'm covered in guac and queso. Sam and Grand Rapids, solid. Let me just come up for air for one second. So far, so good. It's a good segment today. I mean, it always is. Oh, until this. My beef is with Javier's. I've listened to you rant and rave about this place for years. I made it to Vegas for my anniversary. I took six people to Javier's. The place was everything you said and more. Loved it. My beef is with Javier's not having any locations near me. I live in Detroit, and there's not one around here, which sucks. Jeff in Detroit. Ah, dude, you had me bite on that curveball. I was getting ready to say I'm about to block the first person ever. Glad you had a good experience. Romy, my beef is with these weak-ass NBA players who flop like little bitches as soon as somebody's in their vicinity trying to draw a foul. What do you think this is? Euro trash soccer? Get up, you bag. Amber in Portland. And she hashtagged it. War lady clones. Mm. Mm, Amber. Mm, Spicy take, Mm. Amber. Amby. War lady clones. Romy. I have a beef with people who get right up on my ass when I'm trying to parallel park. You have to back into parallel park, not going forward. Learn to drive and have some patience, you jerks. That's good. I mean, nothing like crazy funny about that, but he's right. That's good. Kenny in the 407. Man, they keep coming. My beef is with the dude that special orders four coffees at the Long Island train station, train station shop. This guy takes eight minutes. 
and fights with the cashier about his order, then proceeds to pay his bill with 74 cents in change and the rest on his credit card. Come on, man. All we want is a simple coffee with milk and sugar and move on with the rest of life. Jake in the NYC. Jim, my beef is with my neighbors, both sides, who are too cheap, too lazy, or too stupid to put their garbage outside in receptacles with lids. I'm left to clean up their garbage after the squirrels are done with their smorgasbord. Larry and Albany, unwarranters. renters. Hi, Jim. I've got a beef with people who do paperwork at the drive-up bank teller. Once they get their receipt, they sit there for another 10 minutes, renumerating their latest transaction. Move along, loser. My turn. Sarah. Right, I'm not even done. Leave those up there. Let's try some phone calls before I run out of time. Let's go to Florida. Bergie. Bergie, what's your beef? Jim, my beef is with jogging in place guy. You know, this overweight middle-aged dolt who thinks he's a finely tuned athlete. And when the light turns red, he's got to sit there and keep jogging in place at the red light like he's going to make the Olympics. Um, meanwhile, Jim, I want to war uh, 30 pieces of silver Old Trapper Memorial Beef Jerky for Trapper. I'm out. You got it. All right. The guy who has to jog in place at the stoplight thinking that he's not going to waste that time or energy. All right. Got to keep that heart rate up, dude. Got to keep that heart rate up. Let's go to Alaska. I love it. Matt in Alaska. Matt, what's your beef? Jimmy, I got a real problem with people when they get in my car and they don't like the radio station or the temperature that I have going on. So they reach their hands over and start making adjustments. Listen, if you've got a phone call to make or it's too hot in here or too cold in here, drive your own damn car. I want to war the golden boy, Matt in L.A., keeping that golden ticket all the way to the finish and coming into the smack off and taking some heads. I'm out, Jimmy. Nice job, Matt. I agree with you. Jano messes with my thermostat in my car. And I got to admit, my car, I love my car, but it's kind of complex or I'm kind of dumb. I'm like, don't touch anything. You know, take me a month to get it back to the setting that it was because you turned that thing off. He's right. Let's go to Ken in SA. Look at my man, Ken. Ken, what's your beef? Hey, what's up, Jimmy, man? Took a flight this weekend, man. People in the airport annoyed the crap out of me. First of all, I don't want to see your dong hanging out of your gym shorts, okay? I don't want to see your cupcake belly hanging out of your midriff exposed. Ah. That's not a good call. No. Ken. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. There's a lot not of a things to complain call. about when it comes to traveling now and what you'll see at the airport. But people's dongs coming out of their gym shorts probably is not one of them. I'm not going to allow that, Ken. And I'm allowing almost anything with the beef segment, but not that. Let's go to Phil in Pennsylvania. Hey, Phil, what's your beef? Thanks for the spotlight. You got it. Uh, my rich-sized beef is with the clones that refer to other clones and subjects as low-hanging fruit. Consider this. Monet was able to take simple materials, paint and canvases, and make masterpieces. Just because you are bottom-of-the-barrel bastards that lack the skills, intelligence, and quite frankly, the stones to elevate the mundane and create epic, jungle-worthy takes does not give you the right to call. Ah, That's not a good call. Dude. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that I appreciate call. the app of beef. It's just way too long. Man, beefs are not that hard, man. Just get in, get out. Get in, get out. Here's my beef. Get in, get out. I don't need a dissertation or a tirade. I need a beef. Let's go to Michigan. Jack in Michigan. Jack, what's your beef? 
Hey, Jim, my beef is with unpacket guy. He's the guy who has to take every statement I make and try to unpack it. Hey, unpack it, guy. You didn't go anywhere. I didn't go anywhere. There's nothing to unpack. Got it? Nice job, Jack. Well done. See, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, unpack it, guy. You didn't go anywhere, and I didn't go anywhere, so there's no need to unpack anything. Well done, Jack. I like that. Let's go to Omaha. This gal always has beef. Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, what is your beef today? Paul Rudd is not the sexiest man alive. Johannes Eckerstrom is his sweet baby face. He never fails to blow me away with his amazing vocal range, and he's one hell of a man. Kathleen, nice job. She's back. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Let's go to Wisconsin, one of my favorite states ever. Scott in Wisconsin. Scott, what's your beef? What's up, pimp? My beef is pay with check guy. Are you kidding me? I got to stand behind you. You're going to fill out a check to get a couple cartons of cigarettes and a 12 or a pass. Not only that, Jim, but before I even break them down, he's going to actually fill, flip through his checkbook and balance it. Bro, pay with the card, pay with cash, get on, move out of my way. Checks are old school. Semper Fi, pimp. Nice job, Scott. Pay with check guy. There it is. Imagine breaking out a checkbook for a few cartons of cigarettes and a 12 or a Pabst. Scott's not having it. We are joined by their quarterback, Jaron Hall. Jaron, really nice to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing really well. Thank you for having me on. It's really good to have you on. In fact, a lot's covered with you. But let me start with Saturday's win over Idaho State. Take us back, if you would. You had a huge game, more than 300 yards from scrimmage. You had five touchdowns. When you look back at that game, what kind of thoughts do you have? I just thought we played a, another complete game on offense, I think, you know, in the first half especially. Um, you know, it's easy to be a quarterback here when you got the weapons that we do on the outside, you know. So um, then you got to, you got to, you know, throw in the offensive line that we have. It just makes makes my job easy and fun. Um, so, yeah, I thought we just played really well all together, um, executed a good game plan, and just took care of business. Jaron Hall joining us. When you talk about being quarterback there and all the weapons you have, that's something I want to follow up on in a minute. But with that performance, you did join Steve Young as one of four BYU quarterbacks with four passing TDs and a rushing TD in the same game. What's it feel like to hear your name mentioned alongside his? Yeah, it's an honor, man. He's freaking one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game of football, and it's uh, it's an honor just to be you know, considered up there with him in whatever category that is. So, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an honor for me, and I'm uh, just very proud of that. Jaron Hall, my guest. Now, it's a team that had a great year last year and then sent a lot of talent to the NFL. A lot of programs would have taken a step back after losing that much talent. So how much pride is there in the fact that you're still in the top 15 and playing at an elite level once again? Yeah, a lot of pride, man. We, we really take our, our body of work seriously every week, um, especially in the offseason after losing some of our seniors and, and draft guys. It really meant a lot to us last year. But, uh, you know, just taking upon ourselves to carry on the legacy and the hard work that they uh, put in to build the program up to where it was. So um, still a lot of work left for us this year. You know, we're not done by any means, but, uh, you know, just a lot to look forward to. See, the thing is, being the starting quarterback at BYU is one of the most unique and prestigious jobs in college football. You've said that you hear from former BYU starting QBs who reach out. They offer advice and well wishes. What's it mean to be a part of that great tradition at that position? Yeah, it's a blessing, man. I mean, growing up here in Provo, I knew all about the the quarterback factory that BYU has been. Um, my dad played here back in the day, so he'd always talk about some of the great quarterbacks that he was around that played and, and names you still hear today. Um, so, it's, again, you know, it's an honor just to be among those guys and to kind of follow in their footsteps and, 
in a way or two. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great place to play quarterback, great coaching here to really build the quarterbacks in, in all, all positions for that matter. BYU quarterback Jaron Hall, my guest. At the same time, you are also a trailblazer. In 2019, you became the first black starting quarterback at BYU. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. You know, very proud of my heritage and, and where I come from, my story. Um, everybody's got their own story, and for me, that's mine. Um, so just to be a part of that was very cool at the time. And, and now looking where we've, we've got today, you know, there's, there's lots of these cool experiences taking place all over the country. So just to be a part of, you know, one small portion of that is, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to look back on and forever be proud of that. Jaron Hall, my guest, actually, you do have a great story. Part of your story is you served a two-year mission after high school. Mm-hmm. Then you went to BYU, and you were the backup to Zach Wilson. He goes down, you step in, but then you suffer a couple of concussions. What was it like to go through that to get that chance to start and then have to take a step back? Yeah, I mean, initially it was, it was fun, man. That's what I looked forward to all my life was playing college football and starting for that matter. Um, and then, you know, the risk of playing football. Injuries happen all the time. It's kind of part of the game. Uh, so I went through my fair share. But, uh, you know, thankfully today I'm, I'm back and I'm healthier than ever. Um, so, you know, I was able to learn a couple things from that, take it with me, and, and now, you know, try to take care of myself a little better. So let's talk family for a minute. You mentioned your dad. As people know, well, some people know, your father wasn't running back at BYU. Your mother was a gymnast at BYU. Your brother wasn't running back at BYU. What was it like to grow up in such an athletic household? A lot of competition. No yeah. matter what we were doing, you know, everyone wanted to be the winner, whatever that was. So I think that was a good thing for us, especially as a house full of boys, uh, four boys and then a little sister at the end. All of us compete together, whatever we're doing. Um, but, you know, just hearing about my parents' stories was always something I looked up to. And, and you know, I knew I wanted to be a college athlete. So they kind of set the path um, for us being competitive athletes. And then uh, each of us just kind of found our way here to BYU on our own. You know, it seems to me also, though, it's more than just the athletics of the family. There's a certain kind of grind or grit or work mm-hmm. ethic. Earlier yeah. this year, your father said that one of the things that your parents tried to instill in you was the fact that you could never, ever be outworked, but yeah. that work had always, you know, it, it comes with a clearly defined outcome and results. How mm-hmm. valuable has that lesson and that approach been for you? Oh, it's everything to me. You know, they always say, you know, it's never everything that you want, right? But uh, at the end of the day, it'll be, I'll be worth it once you get what you you know, you work for. So that's kind of my mentality is just go through the grind and really just find ways to enjoy it. Because if you don't enjoy it, then what's the purpose? So just enjoy the grind. And I think my, my mom and my dad did a great job instilling that into all of us as young kids. And, and you see it today. And whether we're playing sports or whether we're working, having families, I think it just goes into all parts of our life. You know what's really fascinating to me is you play baseball also at BYU, and baseball is, man, it's just it's a different animal altogether, it is, right? It is so uh-huh. different. Talk about that. You, I don't want to finish the thought for you, but you talk about football. <laughs> you can use your athleticism to get in yeah. and out of things. Not yeah. baseball, right? How is it different? No, baseball, I mean, there's still opportunities to be athletic in baseball for sure, but, I mean, when you're in the box and you got to adjust from a 95-mile-an-hour fastball to a – 75-mile-an-hour changeup or slider, I mean, that just takes a whole another type of work ethic and practice, you know, thousands of reps, and it's really something you got to do all year long. You know, and I, I, I learned that the hard way, jumping in after my mission and then, you know, trying to go in and out of seasons. Baseball's hard to do, man. you got to be locked in all the time. So, uh, yeah, football, definitely you, get, you can get yourself out of situations, but baseball is just kind of you got to be prepared and you have to have put in the time to be successful. I'm amazed that you can do both at that level. That's like when I see Kyler Murray and I see him a top 10 pick in two sports. Like, what do you yeah. think when you see that? How incredible is that? It's amazing. You don't see it very often these days. I mean, it's sad. You don't even see it in young kids too often. You know, you see all these right. people specializing in one thing. and I mean, that's great if that's what you want to do. It makes you happy, but... Um, from my experience, I feel like you know all these sports, basketball, baseball, football, kind of meshed well together and helped me um, you know, learn what I needed to from each of them. And it plays into each sport a little bit. 
Um, and so, yeah, you don't see that often, especially at the college level. Dudes like Kyler Murray doing what they do, and even, you know, talking professionally, him having the chance to do both or choose whichever one he wanted to do. It's just, uh, it's just something you don't see, and it's, you know, slowly losing its it's art amongst young kids, I feel like. That, well, first of all, I agree with you. And I've got two kids, and we specialize in baseball. So you're right. Yeah. I've talked to a lot yeah. of other coaches who say, man, you know, it's not a good thing. You shouldn't specialize. It's better to go season to season, sport <laughs> to sport, and you're better for it. So, Jen, like, what, how did you end up in football as opposed to baseball? And was it like, an, how important was it to play quarterback and not running back or another position? Two yeah, I mean, from day one, you know, my dad, he, he made me play quarterback, actually. So all the brothers are running back. And then uh, I don't know if my dad saw something in me or he didn't want me to get my bell rung like him and my brother had at running back. So he just threw me in a quarterback, and it just stuck with me. So all growing up, I just stuck with that. And then I played you know, baseball, too. And um, But you know, when it got to the point where I had to choose, it was because of an injury I'd gone through, a hip injury last year, uh, just overuse, uh, you know, playing baseball and football at the same time. It was just too much on my body. So you know, I just kind of took the time with my family to talk about, you know, the alternatives for both and what would be best. And we just decided football would be best for me at this time. And so I stepped away from baseball and – um, and just you know, kind of put my head down and, and focusing on football now. I get it. I appreciate it. Before you go, you mentioned what it's like to have weapons around you and the guys yeah. up front. If we were to go back earlier in the season, after the win over Utah, you said, quote, any people out there willing to sponsor the offensive line, please do. Pay those guys. Get them some food, please, mm-hmm. end of quote. And then you follow that up with an ask on Instagram. What is it about the guys up front that make them so special? I mean, if everyone saw the body of work those guys put in all year round, and this, and this goes for a whole offense. You know, I could say the same for our receivers, our tight ends, our running backs, anybody in the defensive side. But our offensive line specifically, man, they don't get the praise that they deserve. I mean, every play, they set the tone. I um, mean, they're opening up holes. They're putting their body on the line every play. The amount of work they put in is insane. Um, and then you see them in the offseason, how many hours they put together as a unit. You know, watching film, I'll go join them, or they're in there lifting, getting an extra lift, or just hanging out, doing a barbecue. I mean, those guys are the tightest, tightest-knit group on the team and they absolutely paved the way in all our wins. You know, I credit them for everything. Um, and so I just I just wanted to do what I could to try to, you know, get them some love and, and help them out with the bank account a little bit. You know, everyone at college needs that. So, um, you know, thankfully a couple companies are able to step up and hopefully more to come. Leading from the front, one last thought, Jaron Hall, my guest. So you and your wife, Brianna, have a daughter, and mm-hmm. you had her earlier this year. I've got two sons. I know how tough it is to agree upon a name for those kids. Yeah. What is her name for those who do not know, and what was the process like for determining that name? Yes, her name is Jada May. Um, and so, honestly, it was just a name we came, we found, you know, months before she was born. Um, and then we just kind of went back and forth through a couple. And then as we are in the hospital, uh, we wanted to wait until we had her, see what she looked like. And it, she just looked like a Jada to us. So we stuck with it, put it down on the, the birth certificate, and, you know, that's who she is now. I like that. So what has fatherhood been like for you so far? Yeah, it's been a very humbling experience. Yeah, right. I think it's helped me grow up quite a bit, helped me push aside some distractions so I can focus on being a father and a, a husband at home, especially when I'm playing football. Um, so I think it's just gotten the best out of me, honestly. Um, you know, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Um, I look up to parents everywhere, man. It's amazing what they do and how they raise multiple kids like yourself. You said you got two boys. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's amazing what what parents are capable of doing. So I just hope that you know I can be like half the parents I know one day. Well said. It it's awesome and it's an awesome experience, but it's an awesome responsibility. It is yeah, work. Sure. You you have to be ready for it. BYU mm-hmm. is eight and two. They're number fourteen in the college football playoff rankings. They're at Georgia Southern on November twentieth. Their quarterback is Jaron Hall. Jaron, I appreciate you. Great to meet you. Really nice to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. Good night now.